best thing you can do if you're starting your business is get your product out there, get feedback, and then make it better. We just crossed over half a million followers, or we're now heading maybe towards 600,000, which is incredible. I say it's like the Terminator, right? It never sleeps. It never stops. It will hunt you until you're done. Welcome to Add to Cart, Australia's leading e-commerce podcast that express delivers all you need to know in the fast-moving world of online retail. Every week, Nathan Bush from eSuite and an e-commerce industry expert will share the news, research and insights that you need to know to keep you at the top of your game. And of course, keep your customers adding to cart. Hello and welcome to Add to Cart. My name is Nathan Bush, host of Add to Cart and director at e-commerce talent agency eSuite. Today's guests are professional sun chasers. Inspired by the four-hour work week, they created a business that helped them follow that summer feeling throughout the whole year. What a dream. Today, they turn over more than $20 million worth of bikinis annually. Danny Atkins and Alex Babich are the married founders of Kulani Kinis, a swimwear label inspired by the Hawaiian life, summer, and a love of color. And they are taking the world by storm. Not only are they selling over $20 million worth of bikinis with their team of 40, they are selling 80% of their product outside of Australia. In this delightfully honest and very real episode, Danny and Alex talk us through the inspiration to create a new swimwear label as a side hustle and how they left their previous careers as a psychologist and a corporate accountant. We also discuss why they don't pay influencers despite their 600,000 Instagram followers, and we get their tips for surviving burnout in a very busy e-commerce world. Hint, you have to work more than four hours. So, thanks to our partners, Shopify Plus and Paclio, here's our conversation with Danny Atkins and Alex Babich, founders of Kulani Kinis. Danny and Alex, welcome to Add to Cart. Hi, Nathan. How are you? Good, good. Hi, thanks Nathan. For Thank you for having us today. We almost had a little bit of a bust up before we even got into the conversation today, you know, a little bit of a mix up around AirPods and, and being <laughs> worried about what the consequences are going to be afterwards. <laughs> yeah, Alex wasn't prepared. No, I was prepared. The technology was this, but, you know, as all things, like, it wasn't my fault, but but it will be. (laughs) We're not going to get into that here, but for the listeners out there, we'll go straight there right from the start. You guys are husband and wife running the business. Yeah. So we've been married for four years and dating for about 12, I think. So we've been together since our early to mid-20s. Amazing. And the business came along after you met. Yes. Yeah. So the business is about eight years old now. So yeah, we were together for probably about four years before we yeah started on this journey. <laughs> Let's go back. How did you guys meet? We met a long time ago. It was actually through a chance by a friend. Um, it's a funny story. It's one of those like fate really pushed us together. I went out on a boys' night with a mate because he you know, had just been dumped by his girlfriend. Danny was out at the same venue and I remember uh, my mate and I remember there being like four or five girls on the other side of the room. They were like just making like these like sweet eyes at us. And we were like, no, it's boys night. Not allowed to talk to girls. That's fine. And so nothing happened that night. But then later in that week, you know, I was talking to a friend in my university lecture. His name was Brett. goes, oh, do you know the weekend? And I said, oh, this place and blah, blah, blah. And we didn't really think much of it. And then later that day, Brett went to another lecture with a girl named Michelle. And Michelle was like, 
oh, would you, yeah, would, yeah, yeah, Brett and Michelle were talking. Yeah, Michelle was like, oh, I was, yeah, I was out of this venue. And um, my mate was there being Danny. And uh, Danny was trying to make eyes with this guy. But, yeah, I used to go to the gym. I <laughs> used to look like they were back in my heyday, I like to say when I was trying to do but yeah, and then he was like, oh, I know a guy that goes to the gym and was out there. Then he was at this guy and like held up a photo of me. He goes, oh, I know this guy. And it was just ended up being this like little serendipitous moment. And then I was like, oh, okay. So then we started like Danny and I like basically connected on Facebook. <laughs> that's, yeah. like, that's how old our relationship is when you used to message on Facebook. But yeah, it was kind of meeting through mutual friends. It could be the new version of You've Got Mail. Yeah. <laughs> it really felt like it. The world was pushing us together. And then, yeah, that's how we met. All right. So take us forward. So that was 12 years ago when you met. And then eight years ago, Kalani Keenies came about. So what gave you guys the idea that the world needed another swimwear label? So I guess at that stage, Alex and I were working in our own profession. So Alex was an accountant and I was a practicing psychologist working uh, for New South Wales Health. So in the hospital systems, it was quite an intense job and, you know, I worked in acute mental health. So I was thinking, you know, I'd been probably in that role for about seven years and looking forward to kind of maintain my own mental health and longevity in that career. I looked around and saw that those that stayed, you know, most balanced and looked after themselves had a split role. So they worked something outside as well as something, you know, in the health department. So I was looking around for maybe what else I could do that could complement, you know, working and not doing full-time work on, you know, night calls and shifts and things. And it was probably around that stage that friends of ours started a jerky business, beef jerky, and we were asked to help them a little bit. So we, that was my first kind of time of helping someone, you know, seeing something like a product go from nothing to something and selling it. Alex and I were involved in a little bit of the marketing and production. It was very small scale at that stage. It still exists and they're doing super well and selling through Costco and everything. So that was where I think I had, you know, the idea that maybe we could create something and potentially sell it. And it also timed as Alex and I used to go to every year annually, we would go away and we chase the sun usually to an island of some form somewhere. And that's where we would really have some downtime from our, our works. We kind of worked all year, saved up to go on holidays. I bought some swimmer online. This would have been around 2014. So e-com was, you know, kind of emerging and being a little bit time poor, you were just doing you know, shopping online to get ready for your holiday. And I bought a couple of pieces, was a little bit shocked at what I got in the mail for something so small for the cost. But regardless, super happy, went away. And Alex, <laughs> yeah, not to throw Alex under the bus, Alex got sick whilst, yeah, we were on our one, you know, one week away. And that is a really important part of, of how Kalani became is because rather than adventuring and snorkeling and having cocktails and gallivanting around an island, I was stuck in a room with not much to do while Alex was passed out sleeping on a bed. <laughs> so, and it was because I drank the local water, by the way. This yeah. was like, making it sound like I had too much sauce. I was like, excuse me. Okay. I just want to set, a, want to set the tone a little bit clearer here. Okay. So I, I just basically. Yeah. So I was in this little bubble in our room with, you know, not wanting to leave Alex and, you know, also like, you know, but had not, had not much to do. So I really spent a lot of time on Instagram. That was the early days of Instagram. And I had in my hands, I'd packed um, the four-hour work week. And I got, oh, yeah, great. yeah, I had that because I was obviously looking, you know, had that curiosity about finding something that would complement psychology to help me sustain my career there. So I had purchased that online plus my swimwear and I flew through the book and really 
just because we were in that environment, I had the bikinis, they were probably just on the floor, not being worn. And I thought, what is something that I can do that I could, you know, source on, you know, for our work week talks about Alibaba, talks about Shopify. So it was really just, they were the first points and a really big, I guess, swimwear isn't, I guess, life-changing. So, you know, but we had this idea that I had seamless bikinis was a trend that was coming from, I guess, South America and they were cheeky cuts and we were looking maybe I was thinking about what could we do that would be something different, which would be maybe offer a fuller coverage seamless cut, but also at a better price point. And yeah, it just was really literally on the hotel bed in the room, just start the starts for there. Ever scrolled through an e-commerce packaging website for fun? Nah, me neither. Until today. Paclio is putting the joy into the packaging game. So let's play a game. I'll tell you the name of the Paclio product and you have to try and guess what kind of product they are. Fairy Floss. Compostable Mailer. Queen Bee. Honeycomb Padded Mailer. Here we go. Gummy Shark. Water Activated Tape. Now, if my jaded self thinks that this packaging is fun, imagine what your customers will think. Paclio is also eco-friendly, Australian-owned and operated with same-day dispatch and 14-day returns. Now, that's pure joy for everyone. Check out the Paclio range of e-commerce packaging options at paclio.com. That's paclio, P-A-C-K-L-E-O, paclio.com. Where did you start? Did you start with product? Did you start with building a website? Did you start with branding? Initially, I thought that I would wholesale another swimwear brand and become kind of like a distributor and worked out within a couple of emails that that wasn't the way to go and that it was that I would have to design something to sell at the price that I was had in mind, that I would have to kind of cut out someone else and be the direct designer and contact. So it was Alibaba was the first step, sending off emails to potential manufacturers and you know navigating that whole space, which was, yeah. Very so, Alex, you've got out of the bathroom and you've realized you've got a whole new business on your hands. <laughs> oh, yeah. It was the Wild West of Alibaba too back then. Like, yeah. And Danny, to her credit, Danny, to her credit, was the real drive of the brand from the start. The one thing I can always say about Danny is she's one of the most determined people I've ever met. And she, I, I think, like, when you're starting out, that was one of those things like you really have to have that internal drive. And Danny was just, I remember coming home from work so i would work and come home and i'd and i'd pop off the train and walk into our apartment danny had coded our first shopify website herself and it was just a, a basic minimal theme from the you know the shopify the shopify like you know, theme store with some changes i'd come home there'd be like five brand names on a on a word document which one of these do you like and you know i'm like yeah like ohana lahana like like all these like Hawaiian names and the Kalani King. I was like, oh, that one. So, like, alliteration. You know, alliteration. Like, she was like, this is good. Yeah. So, Danny was really a driving force. And, and she says, you know, it started with Alibaba. And, and then I kind of got involved, obviously, as the accountant. I was like, wait a second. This is a terrible idea. Who's going to buy swimmer online? We need to do a break even analysis and need to do a cost structure. I just got out my Excel spreadsheet and start whipping that together. So I think that it was so funny. You know, you had, two different elements approaching the business from the start, which was Daphne who was really driving it. And I was really kind of being like, okay, so how is this going to work? What's the, what are the numbers? What do we need to do? And it was just a, a really, really interesting time to, to start a business. I think Alibaba was so different back then. There was no like escrow payments. There was no nothing. 
there was no transferring money overseas in any nice way. It was all you got to go to Western Union or something like that. It was it was like you know OFX didn't exist. Like you know all these like other like payment services that are now around. So yeah, it was I think September of 2014 that Danny Red started reading that book, and we launched in February of 2015. Yeah, so that's later. I understand it was a side business for a little while because you both have your own careers and professions outside of e-commerce. How long did it stay a side business and when did you realize that actually, no, this is the main business? Yes. So as Alex mentioned, we launched in February officially on Shopify. The website went live in 2015. And probably within a month or two, I asked the hospital, my team leader, if I could step back to part-time, so a couple of days per week. Because Alex and I were filling orders before work, after work, during work, weekends, and obviously customer care was growing, you know, inquiries, people, and we really wanted to reply to customers promptly. And so that's why I dropped part-time probably within a couple of months. And then sidelining to all of this, Alex and I had actually, because we loved Hawaii and island life and chasing the sun, pre-Kalani, we had on a prior trip to Hawaii asked Ernst & Young, which is where Alex worked, if there would be an opportunity to move, you know, have a transfer from the Sydney office to the Honolulu office so that we could we were you know, work. We were like, yes, yeah, we were, <laughs> it's your standard request. Yes. Yeah. yeah. It's a very millennial request, right? Yeah. <laughs> like, this is like totally fine. I'm like, this makes sense for everyone else, not just us, right? Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah, we were very lucky though that that planted the seed. I think they loved the fact that Alex rocked up on our holiday and, you know, rather than us going to the beach, we were in the Honolulu office and Alex went up in the lift and, you know, met with one of the partners or two there. And a couple of years later, behind the scenes, that was Alex was still chasing that up as an option. But the satellite at Honolulu was a satellite office of West, like the West Coast, which is California. So there's an opportunity that we could move to California. So that was going along pre-Kalani. And I think I became impatient with Alex trying to change our life. So I was like, well, what can I do that will, you know, speed things up? So we started Kalani and it all, you know, as timing, there's always a sprinkle of luck involved or an alignment. And that was the California transfer came through. So, and that was we, I think we were notified around September that year and we ended up living there in November. So within six months, we yeah, had we landed to- on Thanksgiving Day. Everything was closed. There was nothing open. We were like, what have we done? What, Mary, what have we done? Like, we yeah. didn't get food. We yeah. like, oh but this God, was the land of opportunity, but everything's yeah. closed. Yeah. Yeah. And we, yeah. we were in downtown LA, which is, there are a lot of, unfortunately, there are a lot of homeless people there. So it was a very big change for us. So I left work. I was doing part-time Kalani, part-time hospital, about around August, my manager asked me to come back to full-time because of the demand of clients and work. And with LA kind of looming as an opportunity, I just made the jump. I said, uh, that's it. I can't. If I come back full-time to work, I'm going to lose what we've built. And I think we've got this opportunity on the horizon. So I'm going to, you know, after being with health for eight years, I'm going to pause and head out. And that's, yeah. So I was kind of pushed into jumping, which you know, we haven't looked back. Yeah. And also attached to that, it was like, it was, there was a lot of risk attached to it too. Like at that time, like we then withdrew about 50 or 60,000 out of our mortgage, like to like help fund that as well. I don't like, think our parents know, know that. <laughs> no, nah, that's not a point. Yeah. But yeah. So, you know, there was a whole, whole bunch of things like meshing together at that time. It was really like, we take a chance on this, we take a chance on, on a few parts to it. And then we moved overseas and the, and the big thing that kind of happened for us as we moved overseas was we had this kind of sweet spot that we were, that we were finding in a market where 
And it kind of makes sense when someone spells it out, but it might not be super obvious, like without a first glance, which is like when you start a brand that's direct to consumer, usually, and it was the case with Danny wanting to start this, was really couldn't find like this kind of stuff in the market. It really wasn't like a like bright standout bikinis that we were doing. So we went to a couple of trade shows in America and that's really what helped us grow the business. We can talk about that a bit later. And then eventually what ended up happening was I was, um, I like to say, moonlighting as a bikini baron for about a year and a half until the business was so big. So the moment we realized it was time for her to go full-time was when we moved. So she had to. I didn't leave my work for another year and a half. Um, I worked to the point where we were getting, I was getting my, you know, my monthly salary and sales online every day. I was sitting at my desk at work being like, this is a little bit, you know, full on. Yeah, I was there and going, Alex, I need help. We need to do something. I can't do customer <laughs> care, dispatch, product development. Yeah, like, but, <laughs> yeah. But it goes back to that whole idea, right? Like, we didn't start this. You know, some people start a business like, we're going to go crush this industry. You know, like, I'm going to be the number one. It's that we started this thing to, like, you know, make an extra 20 grand a year so we could go to Hawaii. You know what I mean? So for the longest of times, we really, or I really was like, surely this is going to stop. Like, this is not, this is not going to work. Like, we're like, this is not real. The sales are going to stop. You know, there was a big bottleneck in my mind, which was just that psyche of like, okay, we're going to have to roll the dice and really go into it. And so, you know, I went back to work in, in Sydney. We then traveled to Miami Swim, which is a big trade show in Miami. We ended up getting very large kind of like distribution, not just like our wholesale relationships opening up. People were like, the new collection is good. We you know, had, I, we had saved so much cash because it was just Danny and I in the business doing what we were doing. And we were working really hard. Like it was, it was we were just kind of like, you know, we've got this safety net of, you know, a cash balance, which is what an accountant would love, you know, like as the risk adverse debit and credit guy that I was, we had good numbers projected in terms of our wholesalers were saying this collection's really sweet. So I kind of went back to work and that week I said to my, you know, my boss at EY, I said, I'm going to have to go. And he kind of knew because for the like preceding year, I'd walk into the office with a duffel bag of bikini orders every so often. And he'd be like, he's be like, oh, it's a good haul today, Babbage, or something like that. That's what he said. So, <laughs> as yeah. long as he knew about the business and just didn't think he, you were a weirdo lugging around bikinis nah. with him. <laughs> no. I was going to say something that Alex touched on, which is beautiful, is that the pressure, because it was a side hustle, we didn't have, I always think that that contributes to our success, that we didn't have this pressure looming over us. It was just one foot in front of another one day at a time, which really the momentum built naturally and organically rather than having that, like this has to work, this has to be something. So I think that's you know contributed to where we are today. Yeah, it's not your all-in play straight away. So tell us about where you are today because I think it's a really exciting story. Tell us how big the business is and where you're retailed and you know, SKUs, whatever you can share around how, where you've got to. We're a pretty open book. Like we, we don't try and hide it yet. We just crossed over $20 million in revenue to, for this financial year and we're still, you know, got like a week or two left. So we might just, we might just hit, might just hit a little bit more. So the business is... Definitely escalated. Where can you find us? Like we sell, you know, globally. So to give it context, about eighty percent of our revenue is outside of Australia. So we really have a big cross-border business, and about 
only about 10% of that is wholesale. So we really, you know, we, we are found in, you know, big retailers in America and, and Canada and the UK. And I was just literally 10 minutes before we started recording, I was chatting to Sandy. Sandy is our head of wholesale. She used to be the, the head of wholesale for another large swimwear brand in America. And she was just chatting with a whole bunch of retailers in America today because it's a trade show on. So she's there representing us now at the moment, which is really cool. And you know, talking to Anthropology and Revolve and Free People. Yeah. So, you know, Nordstrom's coming tomorrow at 9 a.m. apparently. So, you know, you'll, it's got a good trajectory and you'll find us in a lot of places. To clarify, it's not just Alex and I anymore. <laughs> we have a team <laughs> oh, <yeah>. about. <laughs> no, we don't really There's a computer here. You can see it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was going to say, have you just automated everything so well that it is to show? Yeah. <laughs> we have a beautiful team. We're comprising of about 40 people. And that's, you know, not part-time. That's a blend of casual, part-time and permanent full-time. But yeah, we're very lucky. We have an amazing team. And so yeah. you're back in Australia now. Is the team all located in Australia with you or dispersed around the world? We have customer care based in Saudi Arabia. We have one beautiful girl there who's also lead op- leads optimization and knowledge lead, I guess, as well. We have Sandy, who Alex referenced, is in America, which is great to have a foothold there and a base for, especially for the wholesale kind of aspect of the business. We produce in China. We also are talking to some new factories in Vietnam, as well as we work in Bali for some of our, um, some linen that we've been sampling. And yeah, but primarily uh, we're based in the southern suburbs of Sydney. So Amazing. I thought it was really interesting how you're talking about that this started as a side hustle and there wasn't that pressure to start up and obviously uh, very calculated along the way and great risk management. You talked about chasing the sun, about just loving being near the beach and, and why you started in Hawaii. Launching the brand, did you always hope that the US would be the main market for a customer or did you see it as we'll start in the US but we don't know who like which country will end up being most dominant? Well, by accident, we launched in February, which was after Australian summer. So that was just, you know, most girls in, the, in Australia would purchase somewhere maybe around November, December. So we launched it at a terrible time. It was winter in the US and you know, going into autumn here. So we probably naturally accidentally ended up you know, launching at a time where we would transition into the US. But we, I don't know, I think we really thought that it had the potential to be global, but we weren't focusing on any particular market. But it really was the fact that we moved to the US and had that opportunity there that we grew there first. And I think from that, we then became, I guess, more successful here. But interestingly, in the US, they see Australia as a lead for resort and swimwear. So I think the US have a tendency to yeah to look towards us as because a lot of the surf brands came from Australia in terms of Quicksilver and Rip Curl and Billabong. So I think Australian brands have a hold in some way. So it was a really, you know, beautiful union in a way. Yeah. And the, our first actual order, I think, uh, I remember on our Shopify website, it was like order 1003 or something like that because we had done our first two test orders to see if it worked, right? And I think our first our first order went to a guy named David from the USA who was buying it for his family. So it was like the least person you would expect to be your first customer was your first customer. <laughs> We've got our customer persona all mapped. Yeah, yeah. He's not called David. He's <laughs> <laughs> not called David. Yeah. So, you, know, you, you just fight. You don't know what's going to come across. I remember pushing the word. Like Danny went to bed and I was like making some late night tweaks. And it was the, the 20th of February I woke up. I pushed it live at 2 a.m. I remember waking up to go to work or something. I think 
you had gone. So I can't remember. I remember waking up at 8.30 in the morning and after feeling very tired, but it was like $800 of water after I woke up. And I was just like, it was one of those moments where I was like, okay, <laughs> I guess we're on. <laughs> so there you go. And David was one of them. So yeah, it was just one of those little funny moments. Like, you know, Did you ever find out how David came across you? I think it would have had to be Instagram. Yeah. That was the only only place we were present. Definitely not with SEO. <laughs> <laughs> and you're leading, you know, you really, really do an amazing job on Instagram and have for a long time really leading the pack there. How have you found Instagram lately? Obviously, it's been a bit tougher over the last few months for many. Have you had that same experience? I can let Alex speak to this, I think. Yeah, we. I mean, we just crossed over half a million followers or we're now heading maybe towards 600,000, which is incredible. I think that there's a really good, you need to be very, I think a lot of people who have success on Instagram have to have some humility around the fact that there was an advantage to starting four or five years ago where there isn't now, right? And I think a lot of people kind of say, oh yeah, look, it's all about the content, it's all about the content. It's was like, kind of, yes, but it's also like you do have to acknowledge that when you have momentum, it really helps, you know, and the earlier you start, the more momentum you have, the easier it gets. And I think like when you do have a sufficient kind of size and scale, you can put more resources into, you know, creating beautiful campaigns, beautiful content, doing paid ads, to doing a lot of stuff. I think it comes back to having a really good product. I think what we are so lucky as a brand is that we have a very visual-based product, right? And we actually don't really pay many influencers or anything to wear our product we kind of consider ourselves like lucky that we can basically send our product to anyone and they'll want to wear it because one it's really beautifully designed it's a really pretty piece of fabric and they are looking for fresh content to make all the time and you know i mean especially like everyone loves holidays like you know and our target audience everyone in our target loves the beach loves you know, waves and sun and it's a very natural, natural. Food, you know. So That's I think it, yeah. our pro- yeah. So I think our product It's a very social situation, way. right? Exactly. It's a lot easier to share a swimsuit over toothpaste or something like that. Yeah, we're very lucky in that way. So we do, as Alex touched on, we gift a lot of product, which has been a big core part of our growth and exposure and finding people. So we're very lucky that girls are happy to share us. Yeah, like I think even when we first started, like I think being very practical, I was like, how are we going to get this out? I said, I, I think our first order was $10,000 worth of stock. And you know, the choice was, do we buy the stock or go on another holiday? Danny was like, definitely buying the stock, Alex. And I was like, <laughs> this will buy our future holidays. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. And we budgeted for 20% of our stock to be given away. That was how we kind of did it. We were like, we will go and gift this product out and not not with a view to make a tremendous amount of money in year one or two, but just really to get the word out there. And, you know, that's that's the currency that you have when you're starting. And then we had an, a good enough margin in the product to do that. Which, again, like that's, again, whatever. There's no point in the stock sitting on your shelf, just, yeah. you know, collecting dust. You have to get it out there. And obviously, we can see where the product is now. And it's a beautiful product, well-designed, really inspiring product. But you guys didn't come from a product background. Obviously, there's fashion in the head. But how did you go from taking those concepts of what you wanted to bring to life and what was missing in market to actually having a tangible product? And I suppose the question is, what was the biggest lessons or hurdles that you had to get along the way of getting the product to the stage that it is today? 
I think a big contributing factor to our success is our manufacturer. So we were lucky, very, very lucky to find on Alibaba a sales agent initially who, you know, and that is chance. You know, you can reach out to, you know, 5, 10, 20 different potential people. It's very hard to navigate whether you're dealing with an agent, a factory directly. It's something that you learn along the way. And we connected with an amazing girl called Jane and we still work with her today. And, you know, whether it be luck or just how it is, her partner is a pattern maker, her husband now. And they are really a huge part of our, you know, they taught us so much about the product and they really helped to take what we had as our vision and teach us, you know, we've learned, you know, things about Bartax, all things that, we, you know, we'd never heard of before. And they're really pivotal in helping us to get where we are today. So, and it's about, you know, really nurturing the relationship with them. And it's a partnership, not, I guess it's not a you know product that they're selling. We really are in it together. And without each other, we wouldn't be where we are. I don't know if Alex would agree with that, but of course I agree with that. That's definitely right. And I think like to add to that, I think it's you know, the product now is definitely better than what it was when it first started. I think that's also like a lot of people look at brands, you know, in year eight and be like, oh, I'm not gonna be able to compete with that. And I was like, Yeah, probably, but you don't start there. You know, you start smaller and you start different. And, you know, I think a lot of people have this, you know, perception that it's gotta be this or or nothing. And it's like best thing you can do if you're starting your business is get your product out there, get feedback, and then make it better. And that process to this day still happens. Like we we analyze our returns data on specific shapes and be like, is it too big? Is it too small? Is it too much fabric? Does it bunch? Then we go change that pattern. We go change that piece. So, you know, we are always iterating to make our product better. And, you know, obviously with fashion, we're always changing. Like we change our prints every season and stuff like that. So I think like if you can get into a pattern early in your business with that being like, you know, your DNA, it will serve you really well. And really understanding that nothing is ever perfect. You really always... You have to move. You have to have a very good product, but you have to be prepared just to move to market. Otherwise, you'll get left behind if someone else is moving faster than you are. Do you ever work out so hard and so much that you just crash? Yeah, I really feel your pain. But what's worse than a post-workout crash? A website crash, especially during Black Friday. This was the experience of the team at Muscle Nation before they replatformed over to Shopify Plus. Before Shopify Plus, their website would crash with 80 visitors. Fast forward to 2019 Black Friday on Shopify and they sold over 70,000 units in the first hour of Black Friday and sold $4 million worth of stock over the entire sales period. That's some serious flexing going on. To read more of Muscle Nation's story and to see other case studies, visit the customer section on shopify.com.au forward slash plus. I can see that on your website, you put a lot of effort into making sure fit is right. And I would recommend anyone who's looking or struggling with getting fit right and communicating that to customers to go onto your website and have a look. Do you get much data out of that personalized sizing help coming through? Yeah. Yeah, we do. So we've started that as a really basic contact us form on Shopify. We had like a developer just like basically mock up a contact us form with like custom fields. We collect that data and, and we've got this idea now where it really helped us frame where girls were like, we would take that data, 
what did they check out with? Did they listen to us and did they then return <laughs> to make sure we gave them the right advice? So we did that for a while and that was very manual because we weren't very sophisticated, but it gave us like a, a small introduction to now we're at the point where, you know, we are, we've done that probably about 10,000 times. So we now really know our cuts and we've really gone through, like if you're on the American website now, you'll see that we have a very different size guide to the Australian one. And we have a web coordinator here actually going through every website, updating every size guide for every product. And our web developer is even doing this point where we're doing a size calculator. So basically, rather than having to ask customers, ask our care team for that information, we can give it to someone. And then we're doing this next thing, which is... Very nitty-gritty, but I like the nitty-gritty, which is with Shopify 2.0 and the new meta fields that you can do on Shopify, we're going to try and save that data and, and use that to save customer fields and then show people stuff like when they give us their measurements, like we can help you along the way with other products. And I think that's where it goes to, you know, I think personalization is a really big thing that we want to look at, but it's not about, per- I, we don't want to curate what you see in terms of, you know, a lot of plan, a lot of people, like, oh, you clicked on this, therefore you were like this. We're not really into that kind of personalization. I'm just more like giving people something that like will fit them and is relevant to them and then let them decide what will work from there. And kind of this is, at. Nathan, so important for us because we take beautiful pictures of the swimwear and beautiful backdrops and we can sell it, but really you want the customer to get it, be delighted and to keep it because returns, especially in fashion, can make up such a high proportion or a big pain point. So it's really about ensuring that the customer is going to be happy and hold their product and then come back for more. And it also gives the customer that confidence that they can order last minute before they go away on that holiday or whatever it is and know that it's going to fix. They won't have time to return, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> life is busy. Exactly. <laughs> now, lots of bikinis on the website at the moment. We mentioned how seasonal bikinis are. Is there any temptation to go beyond swimwear? We are dabbling into linens. I think I mentioned a bit earlier. So we, we're very lucky that because Shopify is global and you can you know, target anywhere at any point. So we chase the sun throughout the world. You know, it's, It could be summer here. It's, it's summer somewhere usually or a warmer. So we're very lucky we have that. But to grow, at, you know, we have a beautiful existing customer database and they, you know, there's only so many swimsuits someone would want to have. So naturally for us to keep growing, we're looking at what other products would complement or be useful for these, you know, for our girls. So we are exploring overswim is what we all resort wear, I guess, is a natural move but it is we are known for us when we're trusted for that so entering a new category is something that takes a little bit of time and trial and error so that's something that is new we've tested accessories so caps and add-ons i guess alex could talk about our cart slider how that might be something that's useful yeah yeah, we do a lot of like you know in terms of increasing average order values so there's a few levers you can pull right you can definitely get more traffic to your website you can increase average order value and you can increase your customer repeat customer right and we try and do all three so you know we advertise do a whole bunch of things to drive traffic we do a lot of you know add-ons you know our average card size is about 180 dollars. so like our average order value is quite high for our price point and for our product and then our return customer rate is is really high like we're doubling in size every year but you know we find like 50 or 60 percent of our orders are returning customers so we have we really have like a very high percentage 
So we've come across as a trusted brand and I, and I think we do a really good job. I think that, you know, you really have to then figure out where you back into like what kind of products, you know, I think you, you do need to have customer permission. We, we did you know, what you wouldn't believe, you know, going back to David before we, we're doing men's swim trunks now and they do really so, well. Huh? They're really cool. Yeah. Yeah. And they, they sell every third or fourth order has men's swim trunks in it. You wouldn't have thought, right? So it's one of those things like you, you really do have to test and you have to be willing to take chances. And Danny and I have tried a slew of things, some of which have worked and some of which don't. Now, you guys are really open with your story and we really appreciate what you've shared today. You don't keep anything to yourself, it feels. And I saw that as well in some of the video content you've released. Like you, you released some COVID vlogs around what you're going through in the business, some of the challenges, a bit of behind the scenes, a bit of warts and all. What's the motivation from your perspectives in sharing the behind the scenes journey of Kalani? I think there's two parts to that. I think the customer is curious. They want to learn more. They want to, I guess, if they love the brand, they want to see what's happening behind the scenes. Is it something that is, you know, when I go to shop online, I always like to have a sense of who is this or what's the about us or who am I buying from? So I think having that there for people to kind of dive into at their own leisure is really important and also it's a great I think diary for us in a way to remember what happened or think back to four or five years ago it's documenting our journey and being able to reflect back on that and see how far we've come it's really important really cool so yeah it makes a lot of sense it's funny isn't it like even watching some of your COVID diaries it feels like such a long time ago we were living with those restrictions and in those conditions but it's not that long so it's lovely to have that record Yes. Yeah. And you mentioned, Danny, of your background and obviously as a, in the profession of mental health and it being quite intense. What lessons have you taken from that and applying to being an e-commerce founder? So I think being a founder, especially in e-com and navigating this, it's very overwhelming, is also quite intense and there is a lot to hold and to do and it can feel very isolating at times and that you're, you know, often up late at night in a room on a computer just trying to navigate where to next and question yourself and doubt. So I really think that just as with psychology, seeing someone and talking through problems, it's really great to have someone that you can bounce off. I'm really fortunate that I have Alex as my co-founder and partner so that there's two sides to that. There is never a stop for us because, you know, finding that that off switch is really difficult. But, you know, if you're a single founder, it's either finding someone that you, whether it be a partner or a friend or a mentor, someone just to help you regularly check in and download is is so important. Otherwise, you carry it all and it can be very stressful. So I think that's really key. Also, something Alex and I try and practice is uh, self-care, you know, whether it be it's very tempting to get stuck up late and, you know, then you end up going into lack of sleep. And so I think it's really like making sure we're not having too many late nights because the hours just disappear at 2 or 3 a.m. in the morning and you can get really excited and energized by that. You also have to learn like if you're running on that energy and excitement and adrenaline that that will take a toll elsewhere. So it's really about you know making sure you're sleeping, you know, walking when you can, maintaining your inspiration. Alex and I listen to a lot of podcasts. So it's like finding things that really light your fire to keep you going and yeah, staying on track with that. And do you have any mechanisms between the two of you to have those moments where it was like no business talk or like we're here, we're here as a married couple, there's no business or is it all just a big blend? It's a big blend to be honest. We're trying really hard to find that balance. Sometimes one of us will say, stop, this is, you know, we have to, it's enough because, you know, it just is, there is no 
break between work into nights into the next day. I say it's like the Terminator, right? It never sleeps. It, it never stops. It will hunt you until you're done, right? So, like, and that's where I think, like, I think there's this weird fallacy, you know. I mean, I guess if you start a business with the, you know, a timeline to sell and you're working towards that, it works for that person. Most people start an online business not to sell it, but just to have a better life, to do something different, to get more balance because they want to work for themselves. You really have to understand that there is no end. That's your life, right? That's your life. And then, you know, I think to Danny's point, it's you can go all in, but you can only go all in for so long. And and I think, you know, finding balance is a, a really important step. And, you know, what we've talked about a few times, which is just knowing that you'll always have to iterate. You'll always have to do things. You'll always so like, don't rush, like do it well, do it when, try and do things once. It will save you a lot of time to do it properly. And that's the best advice you can do. And yeah, I just think, yeah, good luck in terms of finding a good balance. I think it's, we've got a three-year-old. I mean, imagine like doing that. Or, you know, it's everything. Everything's crazy. That's what's fun. Yeah. It's- yeah. You've got to find the balance that works for you, right? There's no playbook. And we love bikinis. We love swim. But I think Alex and I also thrive off building a business. Just that no day is the same. There is always a challenge and something new, which in e-com is just, you know, that's the magic of it. Yeah, absolutely. And you started the business Chasing the Sun, and we've mentioned that a few times now, and I can see an amazing amount of photo shoots in beautiful locations. In the eight years, where is your favourite place that you've discovered in terms of Chasing the Sun? Palm Springs would be, yeah, hands down. Love that part of the world. It's very protected. The weather, it's usually sunny there. It has a great feel. You know, there's nods to, you know, retro and vintage there. I think we really, our heart is in a little bit in Palm Springs, I'd say. Amazing. Cool. All right. That's a great tip for anyone planning the next holiday now. So, guys, what's next? What's in the forefront of your mind for the future of Kalani Kini's? I'll start with this. So we just brought on, so we got to this point with the business that we're we're very lucky. We've brought on a person, a long, long time friend of Danny's who has a, has a big background in terms of, of HR and hiring people. And the real path forward is to, for us is, is to grow the brand, grow it sustainably, get the right people involved and also trend towards making our products more sustainable, making our profile as a brand more sustainable. I think we've touched on this a few times that <laughs> Danny and I don't have that background. And Danny and I, you know, we're just one part of this brand. You know, we have a whole team of people. And so the future for us is, I think, sustainability around products and around team and around culture. You know, it's That's really going it. back to, yeah, it's really going back to all those things. Like we, people are your best best thing in a business and they do so much and you realize how as a founder as insignificant you are when you start having a team and that's really what we want to invest back into our team and invest back into our product nailed it alex music yeah. to my ears as someone who works with e-commerce people all the time i love when founders are 100 percent focused on building their teams to do great things Danny and Alex, thank you so much for sharing your story on Add to Cart. We have a heap of questions that we didn't get to, but you've been so generous with everything you've shared. Thank you very much. Can't wait to see what's next. Thank you for having us, Nathan. Thanks, Nathan. I loved how real Danny and Alex were with their journey. 
no doubt it's going to be a huge inspiration, that episode, especially if you're in the midst of a side hustle or you're thinking about one. I would love, we were discussing this after the podcast, coming back and doing a part two, because I feel we've only got a fraction of that story. There's plenty more there, um, and I can't wait to see how they're going to take on the world even further. Here are the top three lessons I got from today's chat. Number one, budget for giveaways. Kalani Keenies were one of the first, the original retailers who worked out the power of Instagram as a sales channel. However, they haven't grown their following using Instagram influencers. Instead, they originally budgeted 20% of their stock to be given away to fellow sun chasers who shared the same vision and could help them grow organically. And this was based on having a really quality and beautiful product that they would be proud to post. Seems pretty simple, right? But in today's world, the tactic still stands up. It just might be beyond Instagram. Number two, over-service sizing information. Have a look at the Kalani Kini's website. They are a great example of giving customers above and beyond information on sizing and fit. This is to the point where they have different size guides in the US and Australia. They've now had over 10,000 users of those size guides, which has meant that they get a whole bunch of data to optimize their sizing, which in turn helps minimize returns and increase returning customers over time. It's a really clever tactic. And number three, balance is hard, self-care is crucial. Now, it's not often that we have a qualified psychologist on the show, so I wanted to make the most of the opportunity. And I asked Danny about the managing stress in e-commerce. Now, despite starting out with the four-hour work week and being inspired by it, Danny acknowledged that real balance is really a dream when you're a founder of a business of their size. Instead, it's about self-care, finding a mentor, getting proper sleep, exploring your real passions. No matter what size business you run or work at, making sure that you schedule in self-care is critical, especially when you can't get the balance right. To get the highlights of today's episode, head on over to addtocart.com.au and sign up for our free newsletter. Each Tuesday, we will send Monday's episode summary, links, and discount codes for you to go next level on. And if you're looking to explore your next e-commerce opportunity, come and visit us at eSuite. We're a dedicated e-commerce talent agency, connecting the best e-commerce talent with the fastest growing brands in Australia. Head on over to eSuiteTalent.com.au where you can download the free e-commerce salary guide and sign up to our weekly e-commerce job emails. Thanks for listening. And until next time, keep those customers adding to cart.